The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. We're going to continue in our series of, of in James, and this morning our text comes from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, and it reads as such, who is wise and understanding among you. By his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but this is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vow, every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I like the title, this message this morning, Your Wisdom May Not Be Wise. Your Wisdom May Not Be Wise. And before preaching, will you take a moment and just pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, as we just pray, Lord, we need you. We need you every hour. We need you um, as believers, Lord. Yes, you have saved us by your grace, but Lord, we still need this grace to live out the life, Lord, you have called us to. So, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you um, speak through me, empower me, Lord, to speak your word. And I pray, Lord, that you empower the listeners and the hearers here right now to receive your word, Lord, that we all may be transformed by your word to honor you and glorify you. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Toby and Wigway is a very popular upcoming um, uh, rapper. And over the past year, he, he wrote a song, and the song actually made many of us Christians laugh. The song is titled, Try Jesus. And you might hear that title and think this is a gospel song. It's not, in, it's not exactly a, a gospel song, but in this song, Try Jesus, Toby writes these words. He says, try Jesus, not me, because I throw hands. He said, try Jesus, please don't try me, because I fight. I know what he said about getting slapped, but if you touch me or mine, we gonna scrap. So try Jesus, don't try me, because I fight. And when he came out with this song, he made a video too, and, 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 and all of my Christian friends were sharing it on the timeline because we all was embracing and laughing at his artistic Christian humor. But I believe that these words resonate with, with, with every believer. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I love God. Yes, I try to live a godly life. But I still have a certain line that if you cross, gives me the excuse to, leave G to lose Jesus for a moment and fight. 
And we might not physically fight with our hands, but, but, but we fight with our words as, as we tear each other down. We fight with our words as we go back and forth on Facebook trying to prove our point, trying to demean the other person. We even fight with our emotions by, by no longer talking to a certain person or, or by treating this person different. Or we fight by trying to build a, a team to, to get people to be on our side, and now it's like us versus them, and now there is this wall of division. So even as Christians, yes, with, on one hand, we praise God, we bless his name, but in the same moment, we can be at war with our neighbor. There is a separation in the church because people have crossed our lines. And I can't help but think about all the things that separate all of us in society today. Believers are, are separated over if you voted for Trump or, or, or if you didn't vote for Trump. That there is a group of believers that say Trump is the most Christian president this nation has ever seen. And it is a Christian's duty to vote for this man. If you do not vote for this man, you are not a Christian and I cannot have fellowship with you. And at the same time, there's another group of believers that says, how can you vote for a man who spews so much hate? How can you vote for a man who is like this? If you voted for him, I cannot trust you. I, you, do, you, you clearly don't love me. I cannot have fellowship with you. There's, there's separation and division in the church over, over being vaccinated or, or unvaccinated. There are churches who, who refuse to wear a mask, and they mock at the Christians who, who do wear a mask. There are churches who do wear a mask, and they despise the churches who don't. There is hostility between race over the issues of race and justice, and there are even preachers that, that are writing books calling out other pastors for speaking to the issues of race. The gap between these two groups of Christians is just becoming wider and wider. And this might just seem like a, um, like a small problem, but the problem is that the world now is looking at the church, even laughing at the church, saying, you want me to follow that Jesus, but look at how y'all treat each other. You preach about this God of love, but you can't even love him. You preach about this God of forgiveness, but yet you guys can even forgive each other. And God created the church to be a light to the city, to display to the world who he is. And now the church is no longer this light, but now it's more like a shadow. And this is what James speaks to in James chapter 3, because James was the leader of the Jerusalem church, and, and James was very familiar himself with these, with these division in the church. He saw how the Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. He saw how the rich treated the poor. And now James, we have to remember that James is not writing this letter to one specific church. Or he's not like Paul trying to teach people the, um, the doctrine of salvation. He's talking to people in the church that's saying, now you are saved. Now this is how you live. And the main idea that James teaches us this morning it's that God's wisdom, God's wisdom transforms us and teaches us how to bring peace where there is chaos. His wisdom teaches us how to bring peace where there is chaos. 
And this leads me to my first point this morning, and that simply is godly wisdom empowers you to actively live a life that seeks the good of others. Godly wisdom gives you the power and the ability to seek the, the good of others. And wisdom, we have to talk about wisdom because wisdom can be this abstract idea. Sometimes it's hard to really concretely define wisdom. And there are so many different perspectives on, on what wisdom is. You might not know this, but an owl is considered the wisest of animals because they look, because they never sleep at night and they see everything. So they have all of, of this knowledge. For you Enneagram people, the Enneagram fives are, are considered to be the, the most wise because they accumulate this knowledge. And so we have this mindset that, that, that the person who is wise is the person who has all of this knowledge. But scripture teaches us that the person who is wise isn't the one with all of the knowledge, but is simply the one who fears the Lord. The person who is wise is someone who submits their life their, um, to the rule and reign of God. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And this gives us a different perspective on wisdom. Because the writer of, of Proverbs viewed wisdom not as just having this intellectual knowledge, but having a knowledge that changes the, how you think, how you live, and how you engage with others. And I believe the, the, the best definition for wisdom I could come up with is that wisdom is the practical outworking of, of a heart submitted to the Lord. That wisdom is the practical outworking of a heart submitted to the Lord. And now let's look at what James says in verse 13. James says, who is wise among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So who is the person who is wise and fears the Lord? It is the person who by their life, their actions reflect the meekness of wisdom. And the key word to understanding God, godly wisdom is the word meekness. The godly wisdom manifests and shows itself up in a particular way. And that and that when we hear this word meekness, I think some people um, think that when you hear or if you call somebody meek, you, are may, you may be calling them soft or passive or weak. But meekness is in fact the very opposite of that. But meekness is seeking the good of others despite how they treat you because of your submission and trust in the Lord. See, meekness is, is actually not me being weak, but meekness is actually me having power and the ability to win this fight. But instead of winning this fight, looking to crush you because I am submitted to God and, and how God calls me to live, I'm going to subdue my strength only to see your good. Um, I couldn't help but think about those, those old Campbell soup commercials. They don't really make them no more. But when, like, the football player was, like, on the field, like, like showing how strong he is, and then his mama walk up and say, sit down, baby, and eat some soup. And then this big, strong football player immediately sat down and, and obeyed his tiny little mother. And it wasn't that this football player was weak or lost his strength, but it's that, it's that his strength, 
his power was in submission to a higher authority. And this is the picture of meekness. That, that my power right now is submitted to a higher authority. And Jesus gives us the perfect picture, and we read it in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says in verse 22 that he committed no sin, neither was the seat found in his mouth. But he was, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, Jesus did not threaten, but continued what? Entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We need to see who Jesus is, that Jesus is the perfect and most powerful one. He is the one who, who created the universe, but when he was attacked by you and me, he did not attack us back. Instead, he suffered. And even when he suffered, he didn't threaten us back. But, 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 but why did he do all this? Because he was submitted to God the Father. Why? So that you and I may be blessed. This is the picture of, meek, of meekness. And y'all, all week, I know this word, um, it, it don't make sense because, the, because rarely wisdom tells us that, 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 that if you hit me, I got to hit you back. And we see it with kids all the time. I got to get my lick back, mama. I can't stop fighting. I got to get my lick back. Rarely Wilson says that, that if you get me, I got to get you back. If you embarrass me, I got to get you back. But, 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 but the spirit of meekness says that I am submitted to the authority of Christ. And I'm not looking to get you back, but I'm actually looking for your good, despite how you treat me. So what stops us from, from living this way? James tells us straight up, it's because of our selfish and earthly and demonic, demonic desires. And we see this in verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. Do not lie and say you're wise. Because this is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish and ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. And this leads me to my second and our final point this morning, which is simply mankind's, our demonic desires and motivations causes the evil and the vision that we see in the world and the church. James says straight up, there's only two types of wisdom. There's heavenly wisdom and there's earthly wisdom. There's God's wisdom and then there's demonic wisdom. And he says that if you fear the Lord and are wise and live a life that is surrendered to him but have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not lie and say you fear the Lord because those two things cannot coexist. See, James is aware of something that you and I may not be aware of. He is aware that jealousy and selfish ambition destroys our relationships. And, and leads to the evilness and the wickedness that we see in this world. But it's because our selfish ambitions and motivations that cause us to no longer seek the good for others, but only look to see the good for ourselves. It is our selfish ambition that causes us to, to no longer trust in the providence and goodness of God, but now to, to never be satisfied, which now calls the, um, now leads us to not be able to love our neighbor. 
because I truly can't be happy for you because I don't have what you have. Or it's not even that I want that. I just don't want you to have that because I'm so discontent because I can't be satisfied with God. It's the, it's the jealousy that, that quietly creeps into our heart that, that, leads it, that leads us to slander, that leads us to gossip. And, 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 and James calls this not just a little pat on the back saying, or a little pat on the hand. You guys need to stop talking about each other, stop being jealous. He says, this is demonic. This is, this is not okay. And we see even in Genesis chapter 3 that, that this is the source of the original sin. For, for what they say until Adam and Eve, that you will be like God. That, that now Adam and Eve was su submitted to the authority of Christ, but now because of their selfish ambition, now because of their jealousy, they wanted to be like God, which now what leads to the fall, leads us to where we are now. And James chapter 4 says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It's not because that other person is so jacked up. It's not because the other person is so messed up. He says it's because of your passions that's within you. So what causes the fight? What causes this division? Is it because they didn't vote how you voted? Is it because um, um, this person um, is so rude and disrespectful? James says it's because of you, your jealousy, your passions, your, your evil motives. Um, quick story, y'all. I'm going to be vulnerable um, as a father. Um, this past week, I think it was this past week, maybe last week, we went shopping. We went, um, our daughter Carrie needs some school clothes, some, some fall clothes. Um, her teacher changed her pants because her pants was too tight. Um, so we had to say, hey, we got to go get some new clothes. And we went to the store, and this girl just took off running. She's screaming, and y'all, I used to judge those parents who couldn't control their kids um, in public. Um, it just, just used to do something to my heart. I used to always feel like my, my child ain't going to never do that. I'm going to have my kids locked down. They're not going to know how to act in public. And this girl, Karis, took off running, and it was so exhausting, I, I didn't even care. But it got to the point where she, like, snot just started dripping out her nose, and she just became an embarrassment to us. And, and I got to the point where I said, Karis, come here right now. And she was, ah, and she took off running. I said, Karis, get here right now, Karis. Listen and obey. And she took off running. She didn't care about none of that. And I had to run and chase her. And when I grabbed her, she just fell to the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, Karis, get up right now. Get up right now. And she just like, la, 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 la. And y'all, in this, in this split moment, I felt this sense of anger. I felt this sense of like, girl, get your butt up right now. You do not do this. And when I think about the anger, what I really was feeling, I wasn't angry at Karis. I wasn't, she's not even two yet. I'm not angry at this, at this little one-year-old girl running around having fun, experiencing a, a clothing store. I want her to um, live a life of joy. 
But what I was feeling in this moment was I was self-conscious of being looked at as a parent who can't control his child. I was angry not at my daughter, even though I expressed my anger at my daughter. It was my, it was my selfish ambition. It was my selfish motives. It was what was in me that caused me to be angry at her and not show her grace and raise my voice at her and, and not be patient with her. And this is just a small example of how our selfish motives, our prideful egos lead us to not be able to show each other grace and be united as the body of Christ. So what can tear down the division that we see in the church today? James is, I love how he writes. He's just a straightforward person. And the very next um, verse, he says, it's the wisdom from above. Verse 17, he says, the wisdom from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable. It's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, and, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. He says that the wisdom is first pure. Another word for this is holy. So the person who is wise seeks to live a holy life that is set apart. Then this person seeks peace. And, and church of God, God has called us as believers to be peacemakers. And Jesus said in his most famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called children of God. And as believers, as God's children, we are to be agents of peace, fighting to keep the peace where there is no peace and fighting to bring peace where there is no peace. So we bring peace, and James teaches us how to do this. He says we bring peace not with hostility and force, but with a spirit of gentleness. James said that we are to be gentle and open to reason, which means that we are to be humble enough to to listen to someone who we disagree with. That we ought to be humble enough, open to reason, gentle, full of mercy, that, 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 I'm, that I'm at the point of, I'm, I'm humble enough to say, I might be wrong about this issue. That even though my fathers and my grandfathers taught me to believe this, I am humble enough in the person of God that I can say, they might have been wrong about this. I might be wrong about this now. And we are, are to be full of mercy. And again, this word is to teach us how to engage with each other. And I believe that this message is so important for us here, especially at downtown church. Because it's no secret that we say on our church website and we say up here all the time that we desire to be a cross-cultural, cross-ethnic, cross-class church. So what does that mean? It means that everybody in here looks different, comes from different backgrounds, different ethnic groups. Um, we all come with different um, preferences of worship. We all probably come with different views on, on sexuality. We all come from different um, just um, who we vote for. We all are different. And, and I'll, I need to be clear that when I say we are to be united and fight for peace and unity, I'm not saying that we all need to go to a private school and put on the same uniform. That's not unity in the church. 
that we don't say unity is everyone um, um, dressing the same way, voting the same way, liking the same thing. That unity is saying that we all in our differences, in our different cultures, in our um, different things that we celebrate, that we are united because the person of Jesus by his grace has saved us all. And now we are able to come in here and live at peace with each other despite our past despite our families of, of origin, that because of who Jesus is, we are all tethered to him. And now that we are tethered to Jesus, I'm able to sit across this table from you and say, I have fellowship with you. And yeah, I don't want to romanticize this as this is just some cool preaching moment and, and it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. It's exhausting. It it hurts. It hurts when, just like this past summer, it hurts when we saw three black men and women on videotape killed all in the same month. And as a black man, we coming, I'm coming into a majority white church. It was exhausting. It was, it was exhausting having to um, endure different racial comments and, 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 just, and just not even knowing where you stand on these things. It's exhausting. And it's not just exhausting for me, but it's exhausting for all of us because we all are sinful people and come from different places. And I just want to say that, that we're going to hurt each other and we're going to also be hurt. But in Jesus, are we able to be united as we graciously engage these different topics? Um, literally, y'all, I was debating if I should share this story, but it was just, it was just, um, so perfect timing, I feel like I have to. Um, this past Monday, I'm in my seminary library studying and praying through this exact verse. I'm studying to prep for my sermon, and I'm in the library by myself praying, God, help me to live this out. Help me to um, um, be meek in the wisdom. Help me to not disengage from those who I disagree with, but help me to fight for unity. And I took a bathroom break. I went to the restroom, and I washed my hands. And as I'm coming out, there is this white man who I, um, who I met two or three years ago who I haven't seen in two or three years. I really don't know this guy. It was just one of those casual things. And we began to small talk, and as he and our small talk began to um, um, evolve, in a sense, he began to kind of make some passing statements, almost some semi-political statements, undertone statements that kind of taught me that we're on different, on different sides um, on these issues. And he said, man, yeah, man, this whole COVID thing is just the devil. Um, the devil is just trying to get Christians to not go to church. The devil is just trying to make us wear a mask to hide our facial expressions. And I was like, okay. Um, in my mind, I'm like, I'm trying to get back to my study. And for some reason, I still don't know. He felt the freedom or the whatever he felt to turn the conversation. And he said, people today just don't, um, he said, people today um, 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 just don't want um, um, accountability like George Floyd. And when he said that, I'm like, okay, where, where he about to take this convo? He said, Romans 13 says, God will exact judgment on the wicked. And yes, the officer made a small mistake, but George Floyd resisted arrest. George Floyd 
should have committed this crime. And my natural heart, my natural reaction, you know, in my flesh, it's just like you just want to punch the, like, you just want to put this dude in check and just let him know how wrong he is and blah, blah, blah. But I was, I, I, I truly believe caught by the Spirit because I legit just got through praying this. And I said, God, okay, give, like, what do I say? And in this moment, I'm hurt, I'm disappointed, I'm shocked, and I just asked him a question. I said, are, are you aware of the historical context of your situation? He said, no, and I began to tell him, you know, slavery ended here, but the system that allowed for slavery never ended, and, and, and black and brown people have always been oppressed and treated this way, and you might see this as an individual moment, but this is not just an individual moment. This is a, a collective moment. Then I began to, to say, if you truly um, love God and want to see people know God, you need to see how hurtful your comments are. You need to see that it's these very comments that stop people who, from, from my community, to to accept this Jesus because they don't want anything to do with people like you. And we kind of went back and forth, and I ended it, the convo, and, and, and he asked for my number, and I gave it to him, and I was, I walked away, I wasn't even angry, I was more shocked, I was trying to figure it out in my head, I, and I just had to call my wife and just process, process it with her, and then he texts me, and he said, um, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for speaking to me. And he said, I want to apologize for, for what I said and, uh, and my heart in it, and I'm praying for you. And I share this story to, to I share this story um, um, because, because, we aren't to turn a blind eye to sin or we aren't to run from comfort, but I believe James in this whole letter is trying to teach us the church today on how to engage with each other. I believe that, that yes, even you might even have family members who every Thanksgiving you got to prepare your heart because you already know you got that one uncle who just going to turn it up and then y'all about to go at it once again. And, and I'm saying this like... I'm, I'm not trying to push past the pain. I'm not trying to dis diminish the real hurt that, that we all feel. But I believe that God calls us to this. And I love the fact that God calls us to this. But he first did it himself. Because we see the perfect example when Jesus, in his wisdom, he thought it was wise to leave the comforts and the pleasure of heaven to come and put on a fleshly skin to bring peace between God and you. And when he arrived, he was not accepted in worship. Instead, he was rejected and despised. And we know the story that, that Jesus was captured, he was beaten, he was mocked, a cross was put on his back, he had to walk up this hill, two, two nails was pushed in his hand, and when he was on this cross, the Bible tells us that the very people, his enemies, were still laughing at him. Still, he was naked, still, still embarrassing him, still rejecting him. And the Bible tells us that Jesus had the power to speak some words that, that if he spoke these words, thousands upon thousands of, of angels would have came down and not only rescued him, but destroyed everyone down. 
But instead of speaking those words, he spoke these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the love of God. And y'all, this is the love that, that we need day by day. This is the love that, 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 that doesn't make sense, that, that we right now are God's enemy. Well, we were God's enemy, but, but it was when we were enemies that God, that Christ himself died for you, that you may be made right. So think about your greatest enemy. Think about that person at work you don't want to forgive. Think about your spouse who, who, who right now is so hard to forgive. God gives us the grace. He gives us the wisdom to empower us to seek the good for others, despite how they treat us. So downtown church, I just want to encourage us here that, that we continue to fight to, to be a people humble before the Lord that we fight to be a people who says, Christ, we, um, we don't know how to do this, but we are striving to be together. That is my prayer for us. Let's pray. Father God, I just, um, Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. Lord, so often um, we read your word and we see how we fail to keep your word, but so, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace that Titus says saves us but also trains us to live out this godly life. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you bless the hearers of your word, Lord, that we too may be doers of your word. Lord, we lift you up, and Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you destroy the walls of division um, in our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, move in this place and just um, minister to your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Let's uh, receive the benediction. Now, as we go out into the world, seeking uh, the meekness of wisdom, uh, being men and women of forgiveness and love, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, dear friends.